0: Greetings, friends, and welcome back to Catechesis. In this 17th episode, we will be considering questions 20 and 21 of the Baptist Catechism. And I will remind you that we are still in the midst of that bad news section of our Catechism, that section which considers sin and all of its devastating consequences. Question 20 asks, into what estate did the fall bring mankind? And the answer, the fall brought mankind into an estate of sin and misery. And then question 21 asks, wherein consists the sinfulness of that estate whereunto man fell? The answer, the sinfulness of that estate whereunto man fell consists in the guilt of Adam's first sin, the want or lack of original righteousness, and the corruption of his whole nature, which is commonly called original sin, together with all actual transgressions which proceed from it. This is a very long catechism question and answer here in question 21, so parents, we will need to uh, break this up and perhaps simplify it uh, for our children uh, this week. So let's get to it again. Question 20. Into what estate did the fall bring mankind? And the answer here is brief. The fall brought mankind into an estate of sin and misery. I think it is important to notice that man's fall into sin did not cause men and women to cease to be human. In fact, even after the fall, man is still said to be an image bearer of God. Man after the fall is still man. He is still made up of body and soul. He possesses the same faculties of the soul that he possessed prior to his fall into sin. Man is a rational creature. Man is an emotional creature. Man is a willing creature. Uh, This he was prior to the fall, and this he is after the fall. What has changed, though, is his state of being. I will remind you of chapter 9 of our Confession, which provides us with a wonderful overview of the states of being of man, from his innocency in the garden, to his sinful state, to the state of grace through faith in Christ— and to the state of glory, which all who are in Christ will enjoy in the life to come. Question 20 of our catechism notes that when man sinned, he fell from that innocent and upright state of being into a state of sin and misery. This is the state of being into which all of the children of Adam are born into this world. Romans five eighteen through 19 is listed as a proof text in our catechism, and I will read it now. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Paul is here comparing Adam with Christ. And the thing to notice for now is that through Adam's disobedience, the many were made sinners, namely all who descended from him by ordinary generation adam's sin his fall brought mankind into an estate of sin and misery just as our catechism teaches question 21 then asks wherein consists the sinfulness of that estate wherein man fell maybe another way to put this is what is the sinful state composed of what does it involve And the answer is very important. The sinfulness of that estate wherein man fell consists in the guilt of Adam's first sin, the want of original righteousness, and the corruption of his whole nature, which is commonly called original sin, together with all actual transgressions which proceed from it. And so notice four things. One, the sinfulness of that estate wherein man fell consists in or is composed of the guilt of Of Adam's first sin. Our confession in chapter 6, paragraph 3, helpfully points out that this guilt of Adam is imputed to us. We are guilty before God because of Adam's transgression. This guilt is imputed or credited to all who descend from Adam. It is a legal thing. And this, of course, corresponds to the righteousness of Christ imputed to those who believe. I should again cite Romans 5:18 through 19, which I just read a moment ago, for this is what it teaches, the imputation of Adam's sin to those descended from him and the imputation of Christ's righteousness to those who are united to him by faith. Again, Romans 5.18, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. For, as by the one man's disobedience, speaking there of Adam's sin, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, speaking of Christ here, the many will be made righteous." Adam sinned, and others were declared guilty, and similarly, Christ was obedient, he was righteous, and his righteousness is given to those who believe upon his name. Again, it is a legal thing. Uh, The principle of representation is clearly active here. Secondly, the sinfulness of that estate wherein man fell consists in, or is composed of, the want of original righteousness. Want means lack of. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. And so in our sinful and fallen state, no human being is righteous before God. We are born with Adam's guilt, and we ourselves do actually sin. We lack original righteousness. Thirdly, the sinfulness of that estate wherein man fell consists in, or is composed of, the corruption of man's whole nature. This is that doctrine that we call total depravity. This doctrine does not teach that all men are as bad and sinful as they possibly could be, but that all men are, to quote the Second London Confession, chapter 5, paragraph 2, wholly defiled in all the faculties and parts of soul and body. Uh, this means that we are by nature all twisted up and distorted. Uh, this is true of our intellect, our emotions, and our will. Our understanding is darkened. Our hearts lead us astray. And instead of willing that which is good, we will that which is evil by nature. Uh, Stated differently, we are by nature dead in trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2.1. And the psalmist was, of course, right to say, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Fourthly, the sinfulness of that estate wherein to men fell consists in, or is composed of, all of these things together with uh, the actual transgressions which proceed from it. In other words, uh, not only is the guilt of Adam imputed to us, not only do we lack original righteousness, and not only are our natures corrupted, but these things do also lead to actual transgressions. We ourselves commit actual sins. And this we do from a very young age. Isaiah 53, 6 famously says, All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned, every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, speaking of the Christ prophetically, the iniquity of us all. And Jesus, in Matthew 15:19 speaks of how we sin out of a corrupted heart, saying, For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. And so, brothers and sisters, I would encourage you to read both chapters 5 and 9 of our confession, for they do fill out the teaching that is provided here in brief in questions 20 and 21 of our catechism. But I will conclude by reading chapter 5, paragraphs 2 and 3 of our confession, for I think they will round things out for us nicely. Uh, paragraph 2 of chapter 5 says, Our first parents, by this sin, fell from their original righteousness and communion with God, and we in them, whereby death came upon all, and becoming dead in sin and wholly defiled, in all the faculties and parts of soul and body. Paragraph 3. They being the root, and by God's appointment standing in the room and stead of all mankind, the guilt of the sin was imputed, and corrupted nature conveyed to all their posterity, descending from them by ordinary generation or procreation. Being now conceived in sin, and by nature children of wrath, the servants of sin, the subjects of death, And all other miseries, spiritual, temporal, and eternal, unless the Lord Jesus set them free. And so I wonder, did you hear the little word of hope at the end of LBC 5.3? There is so much bad news in this section of our catechism and also in this section of our confession. But the framers of our confession could not but help to provide a glimmer of hope to the reader, saying, unless the Lord Jesus set them free. And indeed, this is the gospel. Jesus can set you free if you would believe upon him. He has defeated sin and death. He has atoned for sins. Through faith in him, the forgiveness of sins is received. The guilt of Adam is pardoned, and Christ's righteousness is imputed to you. Indeed, by the power of the Holy Spirit, corrupt men and women are regenerated and born anew. And so let us be found not in Adam and not in our sin, but in Christ, cleansed, renewed, and clothed with his righteousness. Until next time, brothers and sisters, abide in Christ.